0: second city hockey podcast and uh before we do anything else let's just get this started right now yeah there we go because uh it's hockey season finally aren't you guys excited um, i'm very excited i'm excited and uh, yeah don't hold back guys uh dave melton here assistant editor at second city hockey and i've got two of the familiar faces you've probably heard on these airways before well, at least i hope so One of them is Brandon M. Kane, responsible for all the puns that you will ever read on our Twitter account and even at our website. Brandon, say hi to the people.
1: Hello to my peoples.
0: And we are also joined this evening by Shepard Price, and I don't really have a good introduction for Shepard yet, other than trying to throw an insult at him because he's a Lions fan, but I don't want to start the podcast that way. So Shepard, say hi to the people. Hello, people. Hello, everyone who isn't a referee. Hello. <laughs> oh, that's good, good, good work. Hockey season started as I'm looking at the TV next to me. There is a game being played right now between the Washington Capitals and a team we shall not name because I'm already sick of talking about them. With that in mind, a couple of days ago on the Twitters, me and Shepard Price were having a discussion, and Shepard, I want to rehash that discussion a little bit here because. I'm still kind of terrified that the Blackhawks' defense isn't going to be any good this year. I, maybe it's just, like, leftover lingering effects from the way they played last season, but am I crazy for having these thoughts that, that we're going to give up five goals a game every night again? I think you
2: are because okay. the, Blackhawks, the Blackhawks spent their offseason investing in defense. They now have two uh, – their two depth centers are both defensive guys, David Kampf and now Ryan Carpenter. Uh, they got Ole Mata, They got Cook-Helvin DeHaan. Ole Mata, who, is al- although he's not an offensive powerhouse, was 18th on Evolving Hockey's goals of a replacement last year just because of how good he is defensively. We've already seen what he's done with Brent Seabrook in the preseason, sort of like revamping Brent Seabrook, which everybody thought impossible. But <laughs> I think that's the power of Ole Mata, who, again, although he's not the most exciting defenseman, he's not a great skater like Adam Boquist. He's somebody who's really stout defensively. And I think that either pairing him with someone like Adam Bocas in the future or with Brent Seabrook right now as sort of like the shutdown third pairing, I think Ole and we haven't seen Calvin DeHaan yet. He's been injured. But I have good faith in him. I think there's hope in the Blackhawks' defense. But I think uh, it's got to be cautious hope because – Crawford and Leonard are still going to have a lot of work cut out for them.
0: The six defensemen that started the first game of the season last year were Yokoharu, Keith, Seabrook, Jan Ruda, and Brandon Manning. I think that's six, right? If I can count. I think I said, yeah. Gustafson, Keith, Seabrook, Manning, Ruda, and who am I forgetting?
2: Yokoharu. Yoko there you yep. go.
0: Yeah, easy to count to six. If they start with the six of Keith, Seabrook, Dahan, maybe, Murphy, maybe. I don't know what's going on with the injuries there uh Slater Cuckoo and then Olimada. Mata okay, that seems and then Sin will be also in there I guess that seems like that that can't be worse I mean Brandon Manning's not on the team so that's encouragement because we saw him get roasted in the preseason last year and it was exactly what everyone said was the biggest issue with him is that he's susceptible to getting torched by fast guys and he got torched by a fast guy in the preseason Olimata and Brent Seabrook, I believe, have had like the best Corsi shares out of any defensive pairing the Blackhawks have had in the preseason. Which, again, it is preseason, but you know, it's not that's not nothing, I guess. So maybe my fears are a little misplaced, and maybe Shepard, you helped talk me off the edge slightly.
2: I'm glad because again, I it's it's cautious optimism, but okay, I think that's got to be the out attitude for this season of the Blackhawks.
0: Yeah, I think cautious optimism. I think and like capitalize all the letters and maybe bold and underline the word cautious just because I think with this team more now, like I missed earlier this decade when I had this kind of arrogance about being a Blackhawks fan where it was just like, you know what? They're going to figure it out down three, one of the red wings. They're going to figure it out down three, two to the ducks. They're going to figure it out. I don't have that anymore. I have like the Chicago sports fan impending sense of doom that I've had because of years of cheering for the bears and white Sox. I'm trying to shake this impending sense of doom with the Blackhawks, but it really feels strong. Brandon, what about you? What are your general thoughts on the way things are shaping up for the 2019-2020 version of the Chicago Blackhawks?
1: I think the team is going to improve, but I don't think it's going to be enough to put them over the hump based on other teams in the division.
0: When you say over the hump, what exactly do you mean by that?
1: Like into the playoffs
0: okay that's what i thought you were getting at but i want to be make sure we had that spelled out
1: i I feel like 92 94 like in that range is going to be like the wild card Mm -hmm. Um, so i could see them falling like stupid close to it like montreal and arizona did last season to where Mm -hmm. it's like just this weird run and then they're bad and then another weird run and then they just come up Just short. That's how I just get a sense of they just need, like, one extra thing. I feel like they could be bad enough where they trade Guffson at the trade deadline and then it ends up biting them in the ass in the short term to where they don't get into the playoffs this year. But long-term-wise, it'll help them out.
0: We can approach this at a later date. I don't even want to bother getting into this now, (laughs) but it feels like if the Blackhawks don't make the playoffs this year, Stan Bowman might not have a job. And, and Colleton might follow him out the door. It seems like if they don't make the playoffs this year, severe ramifications will happen in the front office. And, I, and they've already fired the coach. So, you know, I think the only guy left would be Bowman. And I think that would be, but that's, that'll be a podcast for next April, maybe. Hopefully <laughs> I think not. They,
1: if that were to happen, I think you'd need to evaluate the scouting staff before you fire Stan.
2: Well, right. but doesn't, you'd, and you'd also you'd also need to look at Rockford and how Rockford does because if the Blackhawks miss the playoffs, but Rockford on the backs of Kucherov uh, uh, and uh, Boquist make the playoffs, I think that says good things about what Stan Stan Bowman's done done in the draft, and that might save his job. That's a good point.
0: Fair, that's fair. Yeah, but again, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there because I really like in the other seasons I've been, I, I can see so much, like I can see the Hawks being a legitimately good team this year. I can also see them being back in the basement of the Western Conference. So, And I think this is the widest range with this team. Like Even last year, I think there was – I didn't see any kind of ceiling for them. I could see where things really click this year and, and they end up – I'm not going to say cup contenders, but maybe in earning one of the top two or three spots in the Central, which is probably going to be another tough division again. But the way that this season could also bottom out is kind of terrifying. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but as we continue discussing the upcoming season with this team, I wanted to start off, we'll talk about the Fords a little bit, because there's a lot of known commodities here. I mean, I think we're all assuming Patrick Kane's going to score an absurd number of points this season. Maybe he'll top 100 again. I mean, Jonathan Taves is pretty well-spoken for, I think. Uh, well, I shouldn't say well-spoken for, but I think we're expecting him to have another 60, 70, maybe even 80-point season again. But I think 69. after that –
2: I'm going 75.
0: Seven five. okay well there you go that's the Jonathan Taves discussion there's some more intrigue after that guys like Strom and bring it. so Brandon we'll we'll start off with you I guess is there anything about the Blackhawks Fords this year that stands out to you that you're going to be really watching throughout the course of the season
1: I want to see if Dylan Strome can improve on face-offs if he's on a pairing with Debrinket and Shaw then you have Shaw and Strome who can take draws but I feel like if Strom's future is with this team at center. He needs to improve on face-offs. Otherwise, he's going to be moved to left wing and Doc will be the center for him and it moving forward.
0: And just Dylan Strom, that's the only guy you're watching this
1: year? No, like that's just like the most intriguing thing okay. to me. Okay. I feel like it'll eventually happen that he'll move there. It's the thing that Colton has emphasized throughout the offseason of having a combination of players who can play wing and center and okay. he fits that mold so if he can have more success at the dot then that's great and maybe he can help Kirby Doc in that department as well.
0: Before we came on the air here Shepard was discussing one of the Blackhawks forwards so I imagine I know where this is going to go and I ask him what he thinks about the forwards this season.
2: Uh, I think that the forward you're discussing is uh, Alex Nylander. That would be Um, him, yes. I still don't know what to think of him. It seems like at times the growing concerns with him in Buffalo uh, sprung uh, about and that he was sort of floating around. And everybody sort of said as he came in that he'd get a shot with Kane and Taves, He'd get the best shot possible. And if he wasn't motivated there... Uh, He would never be motivated. And it looks, it looked at times to me, at least like he wasn't motivated at times with Kane and Taves. So if you're not going to be motivated by the very best uh, quality of teammates out there, it worries me a little bit. That's the thing that intrigues me is, is can Alex Nylander prove himself worthy of that trade, especially when the Blackhawks need a defense and Henry Yokohar, you felt NHL ready.
0: Now, I saw that Yokoharu got sent down to the AHL, but that was just a paper move or something? Like, he's going to be back up with the Sabres before the season starts, right?
2: That, that That's the belief in Buffalo. Okay, uh, okay. Especially because, especially because Victor Olofsson, who earned a top six spot with Buffalo, was also sent down. So that's probably just paper. Transition. Okay,
0: because I remember saying on these airwaves after the Yokoharu trade went through that if Alex Nylander – didn't start the season at the NHL level and Yokoharu did that would be a really bad look for Stan Bowman and I didn't expect the opposite thing to be happening with Nylander at the NHL level and Yokoharu down the AHL but it sounds like they're both starting at the NHL level so we'll see where it goes from there. Getting back to what you were talking about Shepard with having Nylander on the line with and Kane and I, I used the disinterested line about Nylander a ton after watching him at prospect camp. That was just prospect camp, and now you're using it after preseason games, but I guess that was just preseason. So I guess we're hoping he shows up starting on Friday afternoon. I guess I think that's
2: that's, that's got to be the hope, right, is that he once games start to matter, he'll start to matter.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I guess that is the hope there. And the, the other guy I'm, I'm really intrigued by this year, I'm really intrigued by Dominic Kubelik, because the Blackhawks have had a tendency to pull guys out of Europe and and elsewhere, well, I, Russia's part of Europe, technically, I guess, right? Well, anyway, I was referencing Artemi Panarin there. They pull a guy out of the KHL, they bring him to America, and he turns into a you know, guy who's making double-digit million-dollar salary cap right now. Um, and Kubelik, I'm not going to tell you he's going to be Artemi Panarin, but he just he looks like he's going to be – better than Dominic Cahoon was last year. And Cahoon was a very solid contributor when he was playing in a top six role. So do you guys have the similar intrigue about Kubelik? Because I'm, I'm very excited to see what he does when the games go live starting on Friday. Uh,
2: I have never been unimpressed by Dominic Kubelik in the games I've watched him in. He can, he can skate like the Dickens. He can shoot. <laughs> skate and like he, the Dickens is a sentence I don't think
0: anybody said anymore, but
2: okay. He can back check effectively which you don't really expect for, from somebody with his offensive game, but he's one of the most well-rounded players I've seen in a little while. He he impresses me whenever he touches the ice, and it, he made preseason feel like it mattered. I love that guy.
0: Uh, Shepard Press loves that guy. Brandon, what about you? Do you love that guy?
1: I mean, I'm not surprised that a guy from the Czech Republic is a good checking forward. Oh, Jesus.
0: I already regret <laughs> asking you.
1: Moving <laughs> on. Oh, you.
2: This is I just –
1: the the one thing that interests me about him is what is his role going to be on the power play? Because that shot is – it looks great and it's effective, but that second unit didn't see time at all.
2: Yeah. So they with
1: only his, did like, like
0: 30 seconds. Yeah.
1: So will that – will having another shooter that's that effective kind of level out the – Playing time on those units or not—that'll um, be something. I don't think it, it will change drastically. I guess that's the only thing that I could add to that.
2: I think what the power play looks like is still sort of in flux because last year it was Strome, Gustafsson, to uh, Tkach and Taves, and that really works. But this year you have Shaw, who should replace Strome as a net front presence. Does that mean Strome gets put on the second power play unit? Because if so, that's Sod, Strom and Kubalik, and that might be a really good power play unit.
0: Yeah, maybe spread the wealth a little bit instead of loading up that top unit it was it was Taves, Kane, Strom, Debrinkit and Gustafson on the point. So now, if, like you said, you swap out Strom with Shaw, and then I think Seabrook would run the point on the second unit with Kubelik, Sod, and Strom. And then the fifth guy would be Keith, Keith I guess? Well, he's... A left-handed shot, so if he would replace anybody, it would most likely be Kane. And you're not going to take Kane off the top unit. So it seems like having a left-handed sniper on the second power play unit is the perfect spot for Kubalik. But like Brandon was saying, that top unit was taken 75 90 seconds of every power play. What do you do? And and does Alex Nylander ever get power play time? Because he's supposed to be an offensive weapon, and that's where you use your offensive weapons is on the power play. So I don't know. I guess I guess we'll find out on Friday, won't we?
1: Yeah, It all goes be back best. to there's so much competition, and I guess we'll just see whatever comes of this Rubik's it
0: does, Cube. It, does, it It feels like they have a really good group of forwards again this year, and they scored the eighth most goals in the NHL last season, and it feels like they could be in the top ten again this year because there's a plenty of talent in that offensive group, and if Alex Nylander starts to realize the talent that made him a top ten pick, this this could be a really powerful offense, and to the point where like, I don't even know where Brandon Saad seems like he'd be best suited for a top six role, but there might not be a spot for him. Same thing with Leek; He just might have to stay down on the third line. It's unfortunate that David is the center for them because he's not the most offensive guy that the Hawks have, but if he just goes in the net with two good, two really good wingers, he can probably end up getting a decent amount of points this season. Um, I'll just Sorry, I'm just punching the table. I'm so excited about third-line center <laughs> David Kempf. I can't contain myself.
1: Um, About the, the check line?
0: Yeah, yeah, the check line. The fourth line that took the ice at practice this week was Zach Smith, Ryan Carpenter, and Drake Kajula. Does that do anything for you guys? doesn't do much for me, but it's also the fourth line, so.
2: I think Kajula is supposed to be a depth scorer, so to have him in an actual depth position, to have like the potential X-factor of having four scoring lines isn't a bad thing.
0: Right. And I think the biggest thing with that group is that Smith and Carpenter are going to be penalty kill contributors. And we're going to get to the penalty kill later, because I'm still terrified about that. But that's another conversation for later. Overall, though, I, again, I just kind of reiterating what I said earlier, I like the forwards this year. Do you, are you guys in agreement? Am I crazy?
2: Yeah, I really, I really like the forwards, especially if to start the year, whenever he's off IR, Kirby Dock gets some games between Kubelik and Saad, which is not a bad place to put him. Uh, if he, if, I think if he plays well in those nine games, he could potentially play himself into that role.
0: So switching gears now, I think we've talked enough about the forwards. Let's go back to the blue line and talk about some of these guys because I think this is, as we talked about at the open of the show, I think that's where a lot of the concern for myself is. I think that's where the biggest concern for virtually any Blackhawks fan is going to be is whether or not this team can keep pucks out of their net and a lot of that is responsibilities for that falls on the guys in front of the goaltender. So Shepard, just kind of recapping what we were talking about earlier, I guess. But what are your thoughts about the Blackhawks' core of blue liners this year?
2: I would have liked for Boquist to have made it. I think I was Same. impressed enough. I was I was impressed enough by him in preseason that I think he could he could have potentially made it. He he would probably would have done so in a seventh role, and I don't think that's good for his development. Again, if we see a revamped Brent Seabrook. I have him winning uh, the uh, the award for most improved back block off this season. If I he did can, see get, that, and that was yeah. a very interesting
0: pick. If it works out, it'd be great, but
2: great. Whew, if he, if he I'd he like can to see that. the odds on and, that one. If he can do that, and only <laughs> Mata is helping that, I think that's a really good pairing again. Uh, I think that says a lot about Mata if Brent Seabrook wins that award. I think Duncan Keith is past his 25-minute prime. Uh, I don't know if he can eat minutes consistently like that anymore. I think the Blackhawks don't have anybody who can really be that reliable workhorse. It, we, we, again, we haven't seen Calvin DeHaan. He might be the guy, but I don't know if there's a number one defenseman on this team, and I think that's a problem.
0: Brandon, what about you? What are your thoughts about this team on the blue line, I guess I should say?
2: The additions are fine. When
1: DeHaan gets healthy, just like last year with Murphy, I think we'll actually see like what this blue line can be. I'm glad Dahlstrom's gone.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't expect a strong opinion about Carl Dahlstrom being gone. I saw he got claimed on waivers. It was like, man, eh, fine. Yeah.
1: For whatever you value the 6th, 7th defenseman role, I think Cuckoo is a suitable option for that. Yeah. I don't. It feels like there's a point here where you want the prospects to be ready, and it doesn't seem like the team is ready to bring them in right away like they should and they're just like one year off of the timeline that they need them to be to like
2: usher in this new wave yeah i think this is the year to do that it's a bit upsetting that mitchell went back to college and focused isn't necessarily nhl ready
0: if they had those young prospects up at the nhl level this year i mean maybe they don't go out and get mata or don't trade for dahan but with Keith and Seabrook still under contract, Gustafson was still under contract. Like, I don't know where you put these prospects. That's the. I mean, maybe you trade Keith. You, you're not going to get a, a Seabrook trade without giving away something else. And last time they did that, they gave away Tavo Teravainen, Sky Point Tavo. I, I agree with you. I would love to see. Would have loved to have seen some of those prospects on the team this year. But I don't know where. I don't know where you put them because it just doesn't seem like there's room for them, unfortunately. And even it's, it seems like. One of the prospects that no one has really ever talked about, Dennis Gilbert, might actually make or might actually be on the team at some point this season. It seems like he's the number one call up now.
2: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's definitely with Dahlstrom now claimed. I think he's definitely the number eight defenseman on this team. Especially because you've sort of had you've had you've had him have his development time. You want to give it to Boquist, who would otherwise be number eight. I think it, I think Gilbert makes a little bit of sense to call up if you're the 8 defenseman right now, and if not, you keep him down there.
0: And I admit I didn't see him a ton because I, I didn't get to watch much of the preseason this year, but uh, Philip Holmes seems like he could be a thing. Do did you, did you guys have any strong opinions or thoughts on that? Because everything I read about him is that he was a pleasant surprise during the preseason, and he was a KHL All-Star, which, you know, I know the KHL is not the NHL, but, you know, he he was still an All-Star in that league, so that's got to be something, right? No? Okay, never mind.
1: <laughs> I don't have any real real takeaways. No, 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 Philip home takes
0: this evening. Gosh. No. And
1: I mean, you have to, he has to go through waivers. I guess that's the only thing, I think.
0: So I I guess uh, maybe maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse there or however that phrase goes.
2: He never really stood out to me, is it? I, I okay. watched him when he was with the Chicago Wolves. Uh, he never really stood out to me as a, as a potential NHLer. But I just, if he I, if he was the pleasant surprise after a good year in the KHL, then maybe there's something I didn't see.
0: Yeah, I maybe I misread. I thought I read somewhere that he was a pleasant surprise and that he might actually hang around, but obviously ended up in Rockford with 86 other defensemen in the Blackhawks organization. So
2: I think that's again because the the Rockford defense is so young that this year that they needed a veteran mentor.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, they they do have a ton of youngsters. They have youngsters all over that team this year, so they're going to be interesting to watch. And we'll we'll touch on the ice hogs later. But I want to circle back to one thing that you said earlier, Shepard, is that you didn't think the Blackhawks had a, a true number one defenseman. And I'm with you. I, I don't think there's a clear number one guy on this roster. But I, I'm starting to think that that may not be such an issue because if like you look at the last three Stanley Cup champions. So yeah, the St. Louis Blues last year. Their top defenseman was Alex Petrangelo. I don't think he's a number one, a true number one defenseman. He's good. He's very good. He's been good. in. He's I been wouldn't in call him a true number one.
2: He's been in Norris talks the last few years. Is the thing but like, I think Just because he scores a
0: lot of points, though. I mean, I don't know if I put him in that category of like you know elite quote unquote elite NHL defender.
2: That's uh, so I, I think you gotta define then what a number one defenseman is to you.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that's a fair point. Well, because the point I was going to make is that, you know, the the blues didn't really seem to have one. If you don't believe Alex Petrangelo is a number one defenseman, John Carlson on the Capitals definitely was. And then the pain was the year before that. Do you know who led them in ice time in the postseason that year? Because Chris Letang was uh, temporarily dead again.
2: Justin Schultz,
0: Brian Dumoulin. I don't think anyone's calling him a number one defenseman. And Justin Schultz, I think was second. So Maybe it's not as big of an issue that they don't have a number one defenseman. I think I'm trying to talk myself into being less concerned about the fact that they don't have a, a a clear-cut number one, I shouldn't say shutdown defenseman, but just a clear top-line guy because it doesn't seem like recent memory would possibly indicate that maybe you don't need that guy to win the cup.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I personally have a team winning the Stanley Cup who a lot of other people wouldn't Say has a number one defenseman. I personally don't believe that. In Vegas, uh, I believe Shea Theodore is a number one defenseman. But I think there's a lot of good teams out there who don't have that number one defense defenseman. Pittsburgh, you could argue Chris Letang is past his prime and no longer they no longer have a number one defenseman. And he I
0: usually misses argue. half the postseason anyway because he's always injured. Poor. Yeah.
2: Man. And then the Islanders don't really have a number one defenseman with Johnny Boychuk aging, or and Nick Letty sort of not. Yeah, being I, again,
0: I, I feel like he's kind of maybe better than Petrangelo, but he reminds me of Petrangelo that he's pretty good, but I don't know if I'd call him a top-pairing guy.
2: I think another favorite is Tampa, but of course they have Hedman.
0: Right, right.
2: Uh, and also McDonough, who on another team might be a number-one defenseman. I, I, I think you look around the, around the league, and that sort of number-one defenseman is sort of a bygone era.
0: Yeah, I mean the game. The game's evolving. It's definitely much the the way the path to a Stanley Cup right now is so much different than the way it was just four or five years ago.
2: It's all possession, and that's more forwards.
0: Right, exactly. So I think we've gotten plenty of thoughts about goaltender, excuse me, defensemen out of the way. So now let's move to the goaltenders, and I think there's much less drama here because we know Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard are going to be the goalies this year. I think the only questions here is how they exactly get deployed throughout the season as i it seems like it's going to be much more of a platoon type situation instead of a clear-cut number one and a clear-cut backup which as we learned with our conversation with kat silverman from about a month ago that's kind of the way the nhl is going these days with more of a platoon approach where you have two good goalies instead of a a good starter and an average backup so Brandon, I'll start off with you. What are your thoughts on the Blackhawks goalies this year? Because I think a lot of people are quite confident about them.
1: Yeah, there's a reason to be confident, obviously. The nice part when you have two goalies of this caliber is they're going to be fresh and they're going to need to be because they're going to see a lot of shots.
0: Right, right.
1: You're, I mean, it's, it's a good thing that they're going to be splitting starts. Um, I, I would be very surprised if Leonard is in game one or two. Like, if he's starting. I don't think he starts until game three at the earliest. You think Corey Crawford
2: is the quote-unquote starter?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to give him the season opener, and then the next game is the home opener. So you yeah. give him both of them. And then you go into however they decide – Jimmy Waite decides to navigate that with Colleton of who's starting, who's feeling fine and whatnot. But um, and the, and it's, and a, that, it's a good go thing. On, sorry, Brian. No, no, it's a, it's a good situation to have. And I think the Blackhawks are extremely lucky that the Islanders shit their pants. <laughs>
0: And I think starting Crawford, I I agree with you that I think he'll get each of the starts of the first two games. And I think that's just kind of a respect thing because Crawford's been on the team. He's been within the organization for, I think, 15, 16 years now. He's he's, he's always been the guy. He's won them two cups. I think just out of that, like, reverence for everything he's done, I think he gets the nod as a start. But like I was saying earlier, I think Robin Leonard's going to start. I mean, I think it's going to be as close to a 50-50 split as you can get, barring injury, for these guys. Shepard, is that what you're thinking about the goaltender situation this year?
2: I personally have Corey Crawford winning the Vesna after Ooh. years of consistency, but as, as after years of consistency in his last few healthy years, I see it that's as 50, a good bet. I see it as fifty thirty-two uh, Crawford Leonard, but I, oh. I think again okay. they're they're going to be pretty equal. But I think Corey Crawford is one of the most consistent goaltenders in the league.
0: Yeah. Cause Crawford, he had a bit of a down patch. I think when he first came back last year or no, he, he came back, he looked good. And then I think around the holidays, he looked kind of funky. Didn't seem right when the whole team was playing miserable. And then near the end of the season, he started looking like the Corey Crawford of old. He had a full off season being completely healthy. And there was a ton of stories about him when training camp opened about how he feels better. And he seems like he's back to his old self. So I think I'm expecting the Corey Crawford of old to show up. I think the one interesting thing to watch with him, though, is that I think he said in the past that he's always, he's one of the guys that's preferred to play like between 50 and 55 games because he likes the consistent rhythm of seeing the, you know, just seeing shots every couple of nights from, you know, actual game opponents, not just in practice. So if they dial that back down to like 45 or maybe even 40, you wonder if that's going to have any sort of detrimental effect on how he performs in those 40 games because he's used to playing so much more.
2: It might, but again, that's a bet that if the Blackhawks make the playoffs, you've seen the last few years that healthy goaltenders that started less games are the X factor. Right. Uh, Jordan Bennington came in halfway through the year. He only played like 30 games. And Tuka Rask was on and off with Club Palak. That's like Cat like said, that's the way of the future.
0: And it shouldn't be... It should also be mentioned, Corey Crawford turns 35, I think, on New Year's Eve this year. So he's not getting any younger, and maybe dialing back his games from 55 down to the mid-40s helps him, helps him maintain the high level of play that he's had, and it helps him maintain that throughout the course of the season. And so there's no any, like, fade-off, uh, any sort of regression to the mean come March, April, and hopefully into May and June I guess Shepard. that's – yeah, I think everyone's pretty encouraged. I think the only concern is how well Robin Leonard plays not in the New York Islanders defensive-focused system.
2: Shepard, guess, are you a betting man? Uh, I do not place bets because uh, I don't like losing money. Okay, because I was going to say, if you put money down on Crawford winning the
1: Vesna, and he actually does, that'd be probably a pretty damn good return.
2: That's probably good, that's probably good money right now. Yeah. <laughs> it, the last time the last time he was healthy a few seasons ago it felt like he was about to win the Vezina until he got hit in the head by Evgeny Malkin.
0: I mean, there's a new sports book that just opened about 15 minutes for me guys, so <laughs> this is true. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 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 before Friday I'll run down there and drop 20 bucks on it. See what happens.
2: Gotta tell me the odds, because if, if, if they are the... Never that, tell me yeah, the I'm, odds. I, I might have to do at <laughs> least like, go 20. with it.
0: <laughs> All right. Shout out to the three people that just got the never tell me the odds reference. Anyway, so there's one thing about this team that I'm still terrified about, and I want to bring it up with you guys. I'm still very, very worried about this penalty kill, because I know they've added Calvin DeHaan, who looks like he should help the penalty kill. And Olimata has that reputation for being a good penalty killer. But you got the, the forwards that they added were the lowest performing penalty kill forwards on a few middling penalty kill units last season. So I remember when I we had our interview with Mark Lazarus, I mentioned that to him and he said, well, that's still an upgrade over what the Blackhawks had. But I don't know if I'm encouraged by that still. Like, I'm still worried that we're going to get to December, and the penalty kill is going to be converting in a 70% rate again, and it's going to be a huge problem just like last year. What do you guys think about this?
2: I'll let Brandon take this one first. <laughs> okay. Brandon, go um, ahead. In our season
1: predictions thing, I said the best off-season addition was Mark Crawford, which okay. was very left field um, because he was in charge of
0: – Oh, it's Corey's special- dad, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That's the guy that looks like, uh, I don't know, some like claymation uh, Mr. Freeze guy or something. Mark, I don't
0: know. Mark Crawford was in like NHL 2001 or 2002 where if you went into the – some mode you could go into where you could pick your offensive strategy and your power play strategy and penalty kill strategy. And if yeah. you hit triangle on PlayStation, Mark Crawford appeared on the screen and gave you a 30-second explanation of what the video was. That's the main thing I remember about Mark Crawford. <laughs> That means totally nothing to this conversation, but I thought I'd bring it up. Brandon, back back to you.
1: At the tail end of the season, Ottawa's special teams units performed better when he had full control over them. So I think maybe with the addition of Mata and Dehan and the system that Mark Crawford will implement, that it'll be better because it can't get any worse.
0: <laughs> you say that. <laughs> Sorry.
1: So that's why that's why I put Mark Crawford down. And also, I just wanted to be different. So I felt like it was fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see – there's certainly reasons to be optimistic about it. A new coach would be one thing. Um, some new personnel is another thing. It's just – I think it goes back to that impending sense of doom that I just have as a Chicago sports fan that the penalty kill that they told me they were going to fix, they didn't fix. Because they said they were going to fix the power play for eight years, and they didn't. And the Bears told me they were going to have a quarterback for the last 30 years, and they haven't. So I don't know when I'm supposed to believe that these things are actually going to happen.
2: I think it's because the Blackhawks actually have championship pedigree.
0: Like, one of the concerns I've had with the penalty kill is that every time I looked at the numbers on Corsica, the guy with the highest shots against per 60 minutes, the, the, all the highest shots against rate and Corsi rates against, just, it was Jonathan Taves. He was always the worst by a mile. He was had some of the worst numbers in the NHL. Yeah, he, he had was, a bad last year. And he was winning the – like, he'd win the draw, they'd get the puck cleared, and then they'd face an onslaught of shots and, and wouldn't get off the ice. That was the most bizarre thing to me is – Everyone talks about how important winning the opening faceoff is on a penalty kill so you get that initial clear. Well, Taves was winning those draws, and it didn't mean a damn thing because he was still getting Davy Crockett at the Alamo back behind the Hawks net. So I don't know know if that's going to be another problem this year because you know they're going to keep throwing Taves out on the penalty kill just because he has that reputation, but he's getting more shots and chances against than anybody on the team and even anybody in the league.
2: I think, I think part of the, the fix might be putting a different line mate with him. Maybe Kubelik, who's fast and, can, again, can back-check effectively, yeah. would not be a bad pairing for Taves.
0: And I haven't looked into this, but obviously the last two seasons, he hasn't had Marion Hosa as a penalty kill partner, so maybe that's had a much bigger impact on it than we realized. Because, I, as I think we've discussed before, the Blackhawks still haven't replaced Marion Hosa. I don't know how you replace Marion Hosa, but they certainly haven't been able to do it. So
2: I think I think not playing Brandon Sod as much as Brandon Saad should be played probably helps probably uh, yeah. Frank might help replace Hossa because that's that's been Taves'
0: primary penalty kill partner has been Saad because his numbers are just about as bad as Taves I think Taves are a little worse because he handles the five on three situations, but still I think even if you go to Corsica and sort by five on four and, and instead of just like so that that discounts any of the five on three situations, Taves had the most. Uh, had some of the highest shots and chances against rates of anybody in the entire NHL. And that's still a massive concern for me. So I think that's enough talk about the Blackhawks for just a second, because we didn't want to mention the Rockford ice house a little bit here because that's going to be with so many of the Blackhawks top prospects playing in Rockford this year. I think this year, more than most in recent memory, it's going to be very important to keep an eye on them just to see how the prospects are developing. And in was chief among them, but the Dennis Gilbert's and the Philip Kurashev's of the world are also going to be very interesting to watch. And Brandon, I know you were there today with today being Wednesday, you were there for their media day, any big news or any big things that came out of that whole situation?
1: Uh, Christopher Steve was named the captain alternates were, uh, Matthew Highmore, Jacob Nielsen, and Tyler Sakura. that was the the biggest news there. Um.
0: <laughs> so, so no is what you're trying to say.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I asked uh, Derek King if he had planned to use Boquist on the top line right away, and he was pretty noncommittal about it, uh, which makes sense because you don't really have your full team back yet.: Right in practicing in that. So you don't really know like what you're working with, but he did say it's very advantageous for him and for the players with their schedule because they open the season Friday at Iowa at night. Then they don't play again until the following Thursday or Friday at home. So they've had this entire week of practice. Then they have another full week and then they have two games and then they have so it's Friday, Saturday, and then they have a Monday game, and then they have another break until they have a game. So he said the amount of practices they have will be good because they'll be able to jumble lines a little bit in combinations and see what works. The AHL schedule is just ridiculous to where, like, you play your divisional opponents all the time. Right. 12 so, times. Yeah. yeah. So these, these players – Know each other very well um, that they're playing against, so,
0: and they usually hate each other a lot. Oh, yeah, they, like some of the some of the animosity that that happens between AHL teams is it's 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 real. Like there's a lot of real animosity between those teams. Like I don't remember who it was, but wasn't it somebody from Rock? It was an Ice Hogs Wolves game. <laughs> One of the players from the Ice Hogs, they were walking, they but. The two players had been on a fight on the ice. They were both ejected from the game, and they were walking down carpets to their respective locker rooms that were like 15, 20 feet apart from each other. And the one player crawled across the concrete floor so he wouldn't ruin his skates, so he could fight the other guy again. Do you guys remember this?
2: How how, how recent was Within it? Within the last it was...
0: two or three years. like
2: uh, the, Wolves was... prob- the Wolves player was probably Keegan Colazar then.
0: I wish I could remember this. Uh, This is going to bother me now. But it it was one of the funnier things I've seen in a hockey game was just a guy like he was crawling on his hands and knees across the carpet so he could get up and fight the guy some more because he wasn't done yet. One thing I did mention or want to mention from what you were talking about, Brandon, is that with Adam Boquist and Dennis Gilbert appearing to be the top guys on the totem pole for the Blackhawks prospect pipeline, in terms of the defensemen, if they're both in Rockford together, that seems like it'd be a pretty good pairing, right? With Bullquist being an offensive guy and Gilbert being your traditional stay-at-home defenseman, that seems like the perfect duo, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and Gilbert played with Yokiharu last season, and that's when you saw that uptick at the end of the season with Gilbert's production. You would think Gilbert's only improved throughout the off-season, which you've clearly seen through the prospect tournament in Traverse City, as well as preseason play. So it just may, that would make sense to me for a line combination. Other perspective is, wouldn't it be nice to bring up Boquist and Bodan together?
0: Right. Right, and so, I think that's another player that gets completely lost in the shuffle because of what the, all the other players we talk about, but Nicholas Bodan is still a first-round pick, and the fact that he really gets lost in shuffle, sometimes it's it's not – it's not disconcerting because that's just the style of hockey he plays that he's not going to stand out very much. But, you know, at some point you're hoping he kind of jumps to the NHL level as well.
1: Yeah. I think with him, it's, he plays almost too calm. If that makes sense to where there's not like a, a sense of urgency to, to grab a loose puck and pass it off to a teammate where he just like looks around. He's very aware of where he is on the ice and will go to it and, send it off but there's not like the rapid instinct to just go for a puck and send it on out that's not like really like a, a super negative thing but it's something that i've noticed
0: yeah i mean if he does that well at the nhl level that's a steady reliable player like that that's a good thing
2: right, right. there's players there's players who've made their entire career off those of slowing. exactly
0: the game yeah exactly oh
2: yeah
1: and i think it's just what you expect out of someone who is Drafted in the first round, especially defensemen where you're like, well they they're probably offensive minded, or they're like a very like hulking figure who can actually like skate and move well. And Bodan has all of the attributes of an offensive minded defenseman, but then when you watch him play, you're like, What is he Okay, yeah, like he looks good, but he doesn't jump off like a Bokus would.
0: I, I figured out who the Rockford fight was. It was uh, Bobby Shea crawled towards Ty Raddy of the Wolves. That's uh, who
2: it was. Ty, uh, Ty Ratty back when the Blues were the the Wolves were the Blues affiliate.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So there you was go. Is there like that, a gorilla the... at a zoo like involved in this with Bobby <laughs> Shea?
0: Or... I I don't believe so. No, this was okay. in March of twenty fourteen. Apparently, so so there you go. Mystery solved. So I think that's enough with the uh, the Rockford Ice Hogs. I'm again certainly something that we will be keeping an eye on all year. And I know Brandon, you're probably going to be there a bunch, so we'll uh, we'll have plenty of updates on the Rockford Ice Hogs for you guys throughout the course of the season. But let's go back to the NHL level and just kind of just do a general wrap up and just see what are your gut feelings about the Blackhawks this year. And we started with Shepard at the beginning of the podcast, so Brandon, let's go to you. I I'm not going to ask you for specific predictions because I think those are kind of lame, but is there a general feeling you have or just something important that needs to happen if the Blackhawks are going to be good or just anything that's uh, at the front of your mind about the 2019, 2020 Chicago Blackhawks?
1: There's so much uncertainty. It has to be fun. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> I mean, if, I just don't if have any fun,
1: expectations.
0: Okay. I mean, if it's fun, that's something.
1: Because like I've done this for five years and this is like the first time I'm going into a season where I'm like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. So let's see what happens. Um, Because there's been – last season I was like, "Uh, I don't really see them making the playoffs. And then when they missed the first time, I was like, well, that was unexpected. Um, So now I'm just kind of like, well, let's sit back and see whatever the hell happens here. And be along for the ride and see how things adapt. And go from there. Yeah, like like
0: I, I kind of mentioned this at the top, but I it does seem like they could be. It's either going to be good or it's going to be catastrophically bad. Like like if every like I could see with you know having a very young coach in his first full season leading an NHL team, like there's potential for this thing to go completely bottom up by Christmas. And there's also a chance with them having seven home games after this first game in Prague that they could be like six and two by the start of November or however long those eight games last. And then we're all thinking playoffs and, you know, in the first few weeks of the season. And I, I don't really know how to, how to deal with that because, you know, it's, it's such a wide range of emotions.
1: I think I'll be focused on other sports things uh, more so when nine games in.
0: Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is that you have, being in Chicago you do have other things to keep your attention off the Blackhawks if they're really bad at the start of the year. But the attention of the Chicago sports media, you know, each all the media
1: outlets. Like a Bears by week?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like all the media outlets mainly focus on the Bears. But as soon as that season ends, you know, first week of February, that's when all the attention will come to the Blackhawks because the Bulls seem like they're going to be rebuilding again, so they're not going to be much worth watching. So when when all those eyes turn to the Blackhawks it seems like they're going to see either a, a decently tuned machine or just a total dumpster fire, and not really, not really anywhere in between. So that should be – when we get to that point of the season, it should be very interesting to see.
2: I think, also way, to- I think either way the Blackhawks win, because either you, you're a lottery <laughs> team again, and you go draft Quentin Byfield, and you have Byfield and Doc as your two future centers, or you make the playoffs. I think that's like the two – I don't think there's an in-between yeah it would be it
0: would be kind of funny if they ended up finishing like second or third from the bottom of the league and they got bumped out of the lottery this year or bumped out of the top three that would that would be <laughs> No, you know what I, I hope I didn't just speak that into existence because I really don't want that to happen. I, I, do, I don't want to watch another lottery. I don't give a damn about the draft. I want to watch playoff hockey again and have it um, just crush my soul and then lift my spirits to the ceiling five seconds later because that's how watching playoff hockey is. Um, yeah, so would you rather
1: like would you rather them lose in the first round or have like the thirteenth pick?
0: I would well, it depends on how that if they were gonna get swept. No, I, I think I'd rather have them make the playoffs because I think they're to the point now where they have so many young guys who have not experienced playoffs. I and mean, when you go down the roster, the number of guys with championship rings on the Blackhawks is getting pretty small. Like, I, I, it's definitely down to two hands, and I think it's, it's still just barely on two hands, but it's dangerously close to getting down to just one hand the number of guys on their team who were on the cup teams that the Blackhawks had. So if you get any playoff games whatsoever, and even if you lose all four, Dylan Strom gets playoff experience, Alex DeBrink gets playoff experience, maybe Boquist and Mitchell and some other young D prospects get playoff experience. So I, I think they're to the point of the season where if they get close enough if they can just get to the playoffs to get some of these guys exposed to what it's like, it's, it's a net positive, even if you lose all four, because if you don't pick in the top, you know, I think it's like the top seven or eight at some point, the drop off in value, it becomes, it's, it's such a massive drop from like the top 10 to like 15, 16 that you might as well just make the playoffs and get you guys some experience of of what that environment is like. So. Shepard, well, uh, I, I, you gave a little bit there, but what are your, what are your burning thoughts about this version of the Blackhawks?
2: Yeah, I think the Blackhawks are going to be one of the most fun teams to watch this season. I think their offense is highly powered. There's three scoring lines, may, uh, maybe four if could, if Kajula turns out to be the depth weapon he's supposed to be. Uh, I think the defense could either be. I think the defense is going to be what it hinges on, and I, I don't think the Blackhawks are alone there. I think uh, if a lot, of, a lot depends on outside factors. Like, if Dustin Bufflin retires, then the Blackhawks are automatically the fifth-best team in the Central, and they'd stand a way better chance of making the playoffs. Right. Um, I, I, I think this season's going to be fun to, to watch along with, and I hope by the end of it we're watching a few of the Blackhawks' defensive prospects develop in Mitchell and Boquist. Hopefully that doesn't mean injuries, but I wouldn't mind making the playoffs again. I just want Alex to bring cap to get a, a taste of the, of the playoffs for once yeah. in his career. That's, that's my, that's my end goal is that I just want to see the kid have some fun. in The playoffs.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I think that's my biggest thing. I want to see these, I want to see some of these young guys get exposed to the playoffs and maybe show that they can produce in the playoffs as well, because yeah. going back to what you kind of touched on there, Shepard, like the central division, I think it's still going to be good but I don't think it's going to be quite as competitive as it has been in the past. Like the Winnipeg blue line is totally in shambles. And I think there's a lot of genuine concerns about how good that team's going to be. And especially if they struggle out the gate and line a starts demanding a trade even louder than he has in the past. Well, he hasn't, he, I don't know if he officially demanded a trade, but if he does, you know, that, that whole thing could explode up in Winnipeg, uh, the Minnesota wild, I think are going to be terrible. Someone has to – the Dallas Stars need to show me that they're actually going to be a good hockey team because every year they seem like they're crowned offseason champions, and then they're middling in the regular season, get knocked out of the first round of the playoffs, and they've never really been relevant to me. I, I don't understand why. And it's, just, it's the same story every year with them. Um, the Avalanche are terrifying. The Blues are probably still the Blues. You know, I have my fingers crossed that Jordan Bennington becomes the next Cam Ward because I can't have the Blues being good consistently because I just can't deal with it. Um, The Predators will probably be good again. We'll see what they do when the playoffs get here. But I don't think the road to the playoffs is going to be quite as steep as it was last season because the central division won't be so murderous. So I think the Blackhawks can certainly compete for a playoff spot. I just, like I told you guys earlier, I'm worried about the defense. It's still an issue. I'm worried about the penalty kill. So if that defense is – It doesn't even, I don't even know if it needs to be average, even if it's slightly below average, if they get up to like, you know, like last season they were, I believe, worst in the league. goals against or pretty close to it. I've got the page right in front of me, so let me just click and sort. They were second worst in the league with goals allowed. That was 291 goals against. If you just take 30 goals off of that, that moves you up 10 spots, then you're plus six in goal differential from last season – that looks a lot better of a record. Now I don't know if they're going to score at the rate they did last season. Although, as the way we talked about the forwards, it certainly seems like they could. So the defense is just like, like maybe like ten to fifteen percent better. This team looks. This team's playoff prospects look significantly better. I just don't know if they're going to get there.
2: I think my hot take this season is if Buffalo retires, I don't think the the Blackhawks are in the bottom two of the, of the def- defenses in the Central because, I, because Winnipeg will be worse and then yeah. Dallas has, a, has an objectively worse bottom three defensemen uh, that are still in their top six than the Blackhawks yeah. with between uh, o, o, uh, Oleksiak, uh, Sakura, and uh, Polak.
0: I do. I really like the top of their blue line though. I I really like Heiskanen. He's, he's going to be, he's going to be fun to watch for the next decade. Not when he's lighting up the Blackhawks, but outside of that, he's going to be a very fun player to watch. Um, He's a great finisher. And here we go. Uh, Uh, Yeah. I, I, I knew we couldn't get out with at least one more Brandon reference, Brandon joke, whatever. So any other thoughts, gentlemen, before we put a bow on this? preseason or no preseason regular season preview of the blackhawks because i think we've covered it all I'm, I'm i'm out of notes i'm out of things to ask you
1: guys any anything else enjoy it and have fun
0: yeah let's, i let's just hope both teams game. have fun I yeah <laughs> do that. every now and then i see that sign on tv during sporting events and i crack up at it every single time but yeah i i just hope it's fun like i think the first month last season was was stupid fun when they were winning every game six to five in overtime and. I'd, I'd be down for that again. I have no problem. I just, I, Like I said, I would really, really appreciate it if they would just give us some playoff hockey to watch this year because I'm sick of watching. I enjoy watching playoff hockey regardless, but it's just a little bit more fun when the Hawks are involved.
2: I, don't oh, I watch do have like one team. win the cup. That's my, <laughs> I do have that's like, my big wait, thing.
0: Wait, hang on, hang on. Shepard, go first, and then, I'm gonna go, okay. then Brandon will go back to you.
2: Okay. I don't want to watch another central team win the cup is my big thing. Well, I got if, re- if, if the Blackhawks aren't <laughs> going to make the playoffs, let Vegas go to the final.
0: I got really bad news for you about that. because I'm not going to say I didn't pick Colorado to win. I think I picked Tampa again because I feel like if I pick them every single year, eventually they'll win it. But that Colorado team looks scary. And if Bowen Byron turns out to be what everyone said he was going to be, ugh, that's going to be rough to watch.
2: But Did Bowen Byron make the team? I, I don't. Think no, he, he,
0: got, he got sent to the WHL, which uh, calmed my nerves a little bit because I thought for sure he was going to suit up immediately but then again maybe Colorado has a deeper blue line so they didn't have a spot for him so they can afford to send him to the WHL let him marinate a little bit before he comes up but we'll see because Byron, you draft a defenseman year that, that's a long-term pick especially when you pick him as high as Colorado did so we'll see where he ends up Brandon what was your thought
1: oh I just wanted to tell everyone that you don't just have to watch Blackhawks games <laughs> oh yeah like, watch other teams around the league so you can kind of like see what different systems are like and just like enjoy the game as much as you can and you get to see like a variety of commentary and how people and other teams like present the game and everything so it's really like a different perspective and I don't know it helps you or at least it helps me enjoy the game even more as to what um has happened in Chicago and what could be in the future
0: yeah I may have to spurge uh, for center ice this year like having the NHL network and NBC sports you get a good amount of games but I think I need to get away from the NBC sports broadcast teams because they're driving me insane so and the only way to do that is to get the center ice package so that might be the way to go this year
1: and it's not just like the Chicago one it's like Phil (laughs) for I don't know if like why is anyone watching the Flyers, but like regardless yeah, if you 're watching you know the capitals nbc like it's just the it 's their network it's they do the same thing across the board, which is fine, um, but sometimes you want a little variety
0: well, I think that'll do it for this episode of the second city hockey podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, we 've got some moving parts around these days, so we 're still trying to to figure out what exactly our podcast will look like going forward during the season, but stay tuned on Friday because we've got a really special edition of the Friday episode that I'm very excited to share with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Once it gets released, I've, I've been excited about this for two weeks and I'm glad it's finally going to be seeing the light of day on Friday, but also check out uh, SecondCityHockey.com. We've had a bunch of preview stuff this week on Thursday, which is the day this podcast is being uploaded. Uh, I will have a, our final chapter on the Blackhawks preview, talking about the goalies. Brandon will be writing about the Rockford Ice Hogs goalie situation, and that'll complete all the other preview stuff. If you want to read up about the forwards or the defensemen or the league-wide preview, that's all there. Uh, Brandon is on Twitter at uh, underscore – no, not underscore, at Brandon M. Kane, Shepard Price. What is your Twitter handle again? At Shepard Oh, so easy. A- S-H-E-P-A-R-D. For, that's correct. That's how you spell shepherd. I am at underscore Dave Melton. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you at some point during this regular season. Hopefully, talking about another. Well, I shouldn't say another, but hopefully, we get some some successful Blackhawks hockey to talk about, and we will talk to you
2: then. <laughs>